Welcome to the teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, South London. You can visit us at calvarychapelsouthlondon.org. Hi, for those who don't know who I am, I'm Neil. I look after children's ministry. Um, you know what, this is, this is amazing. This is the first time I've preached in front of the congregation and it happens to be the last day. So, no, 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 don't clap. Just wait, wait for it. <laughs> then you can clap. Um, what was I gonna say? Cool. So. We're going to be going through Psalm 121, and I'm going to ask Barbara to read, and then um, we'll go into the text. Psalm 121. I'll be reading from the New King James Version this afternoon. I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence comes my help? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Amen. We live in a dangerous world, a world where we hear of wars and rumors of wars, and it makes us nervous. Syria is constantly in the news. Um, we hear of Homs that's been bombed out by the Syrian army because that's where the anti-government demonstrators are. Before that, it was Helmand Provitz in Afghanistan, and that was always in the news. You would always hear of an army officer dying there. We live in a dangerous world. Last year in the UK, terror, the terror threat level was reduced from severe to substantial. But analysts still warned that the threat from terrorism had not diminished. They said despite recent arrests and failed plots, Lone wolves and self-radicalized jihad terrorists were hard to track down and posed a greater security risk. It makes you think it's only a matter of time before some of us are killed. It's a dangerous world. The communities that we live in, 
There's a possibility of being shot or being stabbed. Look at the guy that got stabbed um, on Boxing Day last year. Or the teenager boy who was drowned in a bath on Christmas Day. We don't know if we're going to be mugged. We don't know if we're going to be burgled or going to have a car accident or if we're going to be killed in a train crash. We just don't know. We live in a dangerous world. Cancer. Some of us here, we know of people who are dying of cancer or who have cancer. I knew of a man who, had, who got really bad migraines. Doctor, he went to the doctors, they gave him a scan, and they found a cancerous tumor the size of an orange by his brain. And within six months, he died. This world is terrifying. We live in a dangerous world full of real threats. Financially, we live in a dangerous world. Over the past few years, new homeowners have taken out mortgages. They've only experienced interest rates that are low. But when the Bank of England decides to, to raise the cost of mortgages, they could face financial ruin. We live in a dangerous world. And my response, sorry, and my guess is that we act differently or we react differently to, to these things that are going on. Some of us are active. Some of us put things in place, some sort of assurance, some sort of backup plan. Some of us would be like the lazy person in Proverbs 26 who says there's a lion outside. I'm not going to get up. It's too dangerous to do anything. Some of us just hope for the best, hope that we'll be lucky. Some of us are like Eeyore in Winnie the Pooh. If you know Winnie the Pooh, Eeyore always fears and expects the worst. Well, from your reaction, maybe you don't know who Eeyore is. Cool, no problem. And we can be like Eeyore, so that every time we, we've got an ache or something, we always think to, this, to ourselves, this is the beginning of the cancer that's going to kill me. Some of us are like that. And one day it might be true. We just don't know. We live in a dangerous world. And so what's the result of living in this world? We feel, we feel fear. Fear that we can't live the Christian life. Fear that we can't live it now or in the future. Fear of what's around the corner. Fear of moving into a new building. Fear that you, you haven't got a job as yet. Fear can eat away at our, at our joy. And it can enslave us. And the world has no answer to fear. The world says it's going to be all right. But we're not feeling that. You'll get over it. But who does? Do this to take your mind off of it. But you always end up back in the same place. What are we going to do then? Well, God has given us his word. And in it, we've got this beautiful psalm, which contains the answer to fear. It tells us what we know the world cannot do. It cannot watch over us. Even with all its technology, all its CCTV, only God can watch over us. Only God can guard us. Only God can keep us. Only the Lord is our watchman. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, you who made the, the heavens and the earth, please help us to hear your word today, Lord. Please keep changing us by the gospel of grace and help us to be steadfast in you. Help us to recognize that our help comes from you. Amen. Now, before we go into this actual scripture, I just, want to, I just want you to see something that's going on in this psalm. What I want you to notice is that this psalm is a conversation between two people. Or it's a song between two people. It's a duet. And that we should preach this psalm, this truth, or sing it to one another. It's about one believer. But it isn't sung by just that one believer. It's a duet. So verses 1 and 2, the believer sings, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And then from verse 3 to the end, the second voice comes in and says to, to this believer, he will not let your foot slip. He who keeps you is the Lord. He is your keeper. So this is, this is a duet. So for instance, if I start and I say something that is a statement of faith in verses 1 and 2, such as I believe God is going to protect me, and you come in and say, that's right. So the psalmist doesn't seem to be speaking by himself or speaking to himself. The context of this psalm is the songs of ascent. From Psalms 120 to 134. And at this time, the Jews have come back from exile in Babylon. They've constructed the walls of Jerusalem and built a new temple. And so these Psalms are talking about going up to Jerusalem. So it could be pilgrims going up to Jerusalem, somebody setting off on a pilgrimage. Or somebody who is on a pilgrimage. And he says in verse 1 and verse 2, or sings them to them and says, where does my help come from? I believe my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Then somebody else who, who's also on the same pilgrimage comes alongside him and says, yeah, you're right. It does come from the Lord. Sorry, I have to do this. I have to prolong this because I just want you to get the idea of what's going on within this text. Because sometimes we, we look at Psalms, we read Psalms, and yes, they do help us, but they have certain contexts. And if we get the context right, then we're able to, to move on in understanding what's being said. And so it's better there. It will be, once we approach it, it will help us a lot better in our time of need. So the question is, why a duet? Why not just one person singing this? And I think the answer is this. I can say that I trust God. But to be honest, my trust is weak. I trust one minute and I'm afraid the next. I trust at breakfast and then I'm afraid at dinner. And that's what it's like in trusting God. And what I need is for someone to come alongside me and encourage me with these words. So I say, trust God. But I may say it and sound unsure. So I'm like, I trust God. I know I should. And I think I trust God. 
I need someone to come alongside me and say, Oi, come on, you can trust God. Trust him. And that's usually my wife. When someone, and then sometimes we need to swap places. And I need to speak those same words of truth to you. So that's just my little comment on what's going on in this psalm. So what I want to do today is to encourage you in that God is watching over you and that he is your watchman. What is a watchman? Sorry. What is a watchman? A a watchman was someone who stood in a particular place in the city where he would have the best view of the surroundings. And he was able to watch for any approaching enemy. And when one was spotted, he would report either by word or mouth or by trumpet. His task was simply to sound the alarm of the approaching enemy. And this is what God does and so much more. So I've got four things. Four things I want you to notice that God does for the believer in Christ. And he only does it for the believer in Christ. The first is that God helps them in their time of need. God helps them in their time of need. Look with me at verses 1 and 2. I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. These are the first words that the psalmist says, and he's on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Before we continue, I just want to to let you know what a pilgrimage is. A pilgrimage can be either a person in a foreign land returning back to their homeland, or a person on a journey to a holy land as an act of devotion. In the case of the psalmist, we, we can say that it's both. He would be traveling from a foreign land to Jerusalem, but also traveling where the presence of God would be, traveling to where the presence of God would be. So this pilgrimage speaks of our walk with the Lord from the time we put our trust in Jesus. Before we trusted in the Lord, we were going our own way, doing our own thing. On our way to eternal separation from God until the light of the the glorious gospel came into our lives and took us out of darkness and brought us into God's glorious light. So now we are in right relationship with God. So that when our time to depart from this life comes, we will be in his presence forever. There's a song called Going Up Yonder by John P. Key. And it speaks of someone going up to see the Lord. That's what the psalmist is doing. He's singing of going up to Jerusalem, to the temple, to where the presence of God is. And that's what we're doing. We're on little journeys. Journeys to prayer meeting, to community group, to Bible study, to creation fest, to women's retreat, to women's monthly meeting, to men's monthly meeting, to men's retreat, if there was one. (laughs) Amen. To church. We're going to where the presence of God is. To be in the presence of our King. To be in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
And this is all part of a much bigger journey. It foreshadows the ultimate journey to the heavenly Jerusalem, where we find our end, where we see our king. Notice that what he says in in verse 1, I lift my eyes to the hills. And I want you to, to feel what's going on. I want you to imagine, to ask the question, why are his eyes down? Why is he looking down? Is he contemplating the journey ahead? It could be that the hills, that on the hills, there, there is some sort of danger. It could be that climbing the hills would be dangerous because of the terrain. It could be that the hills had sanctuaries dedicated to different gods. And so the pilgrim would be open to attack. It's got to be some sort of danger. Why else would the psalmist then ask, where does my help come from? It's similar to our journey in this life. The hills could be seen as things in this life which, at first glance, we wouldn't consider to be dangerous. But what they do is they hinder us getting close to God. They could be things like, how am I going to pay the bills? Or what's the best secondary school for my child? Or how am I going to pay my college fees? Or Calvary Chapel, South London is moving to a new building and it's going to take me longer to get there than before. How am I going to manage the journey? I'm not saying that these cares of the world are not founded. But what they're doing is they're trying to distract us from the presence of God. They want us to to put our heads back down and to turn back. The devil wants us to forget about the about God and his promises. So looking back at the text, the psalmist reminds himself that his help comes from the Lord. And in some of your Bibles, you should see that the word Lord is in capital letters. And this is the psalmist reminding himself that God is a gracious God who keeps all his promises. So for the Christian believers today... For us today, we must remind ourselves that God is a gracious God and all his promises are fulfilled in Jesus Christ so that we trust that he's going to to get us through our pilgrimage. Whether it's to community group or to prayer meeting, to church, he's going to get us to the place of safety and ultimately he's going to, to get us to the heavenly city, our final resting place. And then the psalmist then goes on to say about God that he is the maker of heaven and earth. He's the God who made heaven and earth. There are no exceptions. There there is no hiding place. There's no place where any power of evil can be out of his control. And this expression, maker of heaven and earth, is repeated in Psalms 124 and 134. It's a title that we can use when we're under pressure. In the Old Testament, in Isaiah 37, uh, verse 36, Hezekiah is surrounded by the Assyrian army under siege. And he prays to the Lord. He says, O Lord Almighty, God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. So faced with the threat of evil, Hezekiah says, you are God who made heaven and earth. Jeremiah, a century later, 
under siege from the Babylonians, says, Sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth. By your great power and outstretched arm, nothing is too hard for you. And in the New Testament, we see in Acts 4.24, the disciples under pressure pray to the sovereign Lord saying, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. And maybe when we begin our prayers, instead of just saying, Father God, we should say, Father God, who made heaven and earth. And what that does in our mind is it says that there's nothing that God can't do. Everything is in his power. Everything is in his control because he made everything. Because he knows how everything works. And we could just put our trust in God. It's not that he needs reminding of that. Because he knows it. But we need reminding. We need to remind ourselves that he made everything. And that he rules everything. And if he rules everything, then he watches over everything. He is our watchman. He helps us in our time of need. And that brings me to my second point, which is for the believer in Christ, God does not sleep in their time of need. God does not sleep in their time of need. Look with me at at verses 3 and 4. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. I say that, but I look around and there's a few people sleeping still. It's all right. I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. Now remember what he said earlier about verse, what we said earlier about verse 3. About the second voice. This is where the second voice comes in and says, you're right. He won't let your foot be moved. He won't let you, he won't let you slip. He won't let you fall. He won't let you fall into sin. And so the psalmist's friend is considering the journey ahead. Knowing that God is going to help them because he made the heavens and the earth. So he continues to remind the psalmist that God will not let his foot slip. He won't slip. He won't fall into the enemy's hand because God does not doze off. God does not sleep. He watches over everything. He watches over each individual in Christ. So our lives are in his hands. Our footing is sure. Our footing is sure because we are in Christ. Just as it says in Psalms 21.7, For the king trusts in the Lord through the unfailing love of the Most High. He will not be shaken. Or in Psalm 16 where a believer faces death and he says, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. You shall not be moved, says the psalmist friend. Why? Because God is not shaken. Because your trust is in him. You're not going to be moved or shaken by anything or anyone or any circumstance. What does that mean? What it means that as long as we are in Christ, 
believing in him, trusting in him, then we will be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. We will be remain sure in God. We will be secure in God. And why won't our foot be moved? Because he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. He who watches over you and me will neither slumber nor sleep. And slumber is used in the Old Testament in Isaiah 56. It's what a bad watchman does. In Isaiah 56 verse 10 it says, Israel's watchmen are blind. They all lack knowledge. They are all mute dogs. They cannot bark. They lie around and dream. They love sleep. That's what a bad watchman does. But a good watchman doesn't lie around. And God doesn't. God is always on duty. It's always God's watch. And because he doesn't doze off or sleep, we see that for the believer in Christ, God protects them in their time of need. God protects them in their time of need. Look with me at verse 5 to the beginning of verse 7. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is able to shade your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. And so the friend of the psalmist wants him to know that God will protect him on his journey. So because the Lord does not doze off, He's our keeper. He's our watchman. He's our guardian. He's our shade on our right hand. He's our right hand man, as it were. He's the protector we can rely on. And so the God who keeps Israel is the God who keeps each individual man and woman. He is, he keeps them who, those who are members of the body of Christ. He keeps each one individually a shade and a protection the one who keeps Israel keeps you. The word shade or shelter in verse 5 is like when Ruth came under the wings of the, of the Lord for refuge. In the Old Testament, in Lamentations 4.20, the people hoped God's king would be a shelter. They talked about the Lord's anointed, the king who was captured by the enemy. And they said, we thought that under his shadow, under his shade, we would live among the nations. They were going to live under the protection of God's king. And years later, Jesus entered Jerusalem and said, How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Jesus says, I wanted to take you, <clears throat> I wanted to take you under my shade, under my protection, the protection of the cross. God is the one who keeps his people, the one who keeps Israel, the one who redeemed Israel out of Egypt, the one who preserved Israel in the wilderness, the one who guarded Israel in the past. He's the one who's going to keep you. The Lord is your keeper. He's your shade. He will guard you. He's the one who never goes to sleep. And this is in contrast, of course, to all the false gods. You remember Elijah with the prophets of Baal. And he said to them concerning Baal, shout louder. Surely he is a god. Perhaps he's, he's deep in thought or busy or traveling. Maybe he's sleeping and must be awakened. 
It's like those shrines with those, with those little bells. You have to ring the bell to wake the gods. You have to wake them up because they go to sleep. How interesting. I don't know if you've heard of... Well, you know what, I say that. I say this, but then I know that you're going to say, yes, I've heard. And it's, it's, it's a rapper called Shaolin. And he puts it sweetly when he says in his rap, Buddha is dead. Muhammad is dead. Gandhi and Haile Selassie is dead. Elijah Muhammad is dead. However, Jesus... I just wanted the one. That was brilliant. Thank you. Yes, Jesus is alive. Our God is alive. He's not dead. He's not asleep. So God says he's going to keep you. He's going to guard you. And if it seems that he seems to be sleeping, he's not. He's not asleep. He calls to us to wait and to hope. As James says, the testing of our faith develops perseverance and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything God loves those who believe in him and he keeps those who believe in him he is the one who keeps all the people of God and if you are believing in Christ he is watching and guarding you and if he's watching and guarding you then He does it 24 hours a day. God is constant. He provides complete and comprehensive care. It's it's like being fully comp on your car insurance. God governs everything. He watches over each believer and he does so day and night. Verse 6 says, the sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The sun is the direct attack of the Middle Eastern sun as the pilgrims make their way to Jerusalem. This represents the full frontal assault of evil that beats down upon us, threatening to kill us by force day by day. And the moon by night, well, the Greek word is used for something like epilepsy, which is in Matthew 4.24, literally moonstruck. And there's all sorts of theories of how the phases of the moon affects our minds. And this is where we get words like lunacy, lunatic of the moon. But the point is that the attacks of the moon by night speak of the fears, the unsettling anxieties as opposed to the full frontal assault of evil. The night is the time when we feel unstable, when we feel we're on the edge, not quite sure whether we can cope. But whatever the circumstance, whether it's direct or indirect attack, not a hair of our head will perish. God watches over you. He watches over you 24 hours a day. He does it seven days a week, 365 days a a year without fail. He is our watchman. And that brings me to my last point. For the believer in Christ, God will keep their life God will keep their life look with me at the the end of verse 7 to to 8 he will watch over your life the Lord will watch over your, your coming and your going both now and forevermore so the psalmist friend wants him to know that God watches over his life he will keep your life And he will watch over your going out, that is your going out to work at the beginning of of the day, 
And he'll watch over your coming in. That is, your coming back at the end of the day and everything else. And you can extend that image. He's going to watch over you. You're one of his covenant people. He'll watch over your going out at the, be- at the very beginning of life, from the moment you were born, the moment you're conceived. He will keep you and watch over you. And he'll watch over your coming in, the closing years, leading up to death, being taken away to glory. And whatever stage of life you're in, you may be in those closing years of weakness in old age. Right, I didn't really think when I said that, but when I wrote this, because I'm looking at people and I'm thinking, you're all, you're all very healthy at the moment. So. Or you're not old. Okay, you can take that off the tape. <laughs> so, you may be in those closing years. It, it may be due to, you may be weak due to sickness. And it's not the fact that he's, he's going to keep you such that you live or you're healed, though this may well happen. But it's that he's going to keep you such that you remain believing in him. God's going to watch over your coming in. He's going to do it from this time forth and forevermore. Look at us. We're moving to a new building. God will watch over us. He will watch over our going out of this building and our coming into the new one. God's going to watch over our coming in and he is going to do it from this time forth and forevermore. And you get that again in Psalm 125. The Lord surrounds his people both now and forevermore. And in Psalm 131, O Israel, put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. You see, there's no hour in the day. There's no second in the year when he doesn't watch and guard over us. And it's a beautiful picture. It's a simple truth. But it's a wonderful truth. The truth of God watching over us in every circumstance. At all times, in all places, in every circumstance, in any kind of attack, in any kind of danger. The one who keeps Israel will keep you. And he does that. He guards us in Christ. He's the the shepherd and overseer of our souls. And if you could imagine what Jesus must have gone through. Because this is where this scripture finds its fulfillment. Jesus would have sung this psalm. He would have sung it many times as he was going up to Jerusalem. But imagine him singing it on the day that he was going to die. What emotion he must have felt. He's looking at the hills knowing that this is the last time. He's going up to Jerusalem to fulfill what God has called him to do. And he looks and he says, where does my help come from? And he says, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And maybe it's the Holy Spirit who then sings the remaining verses, who comes alongside him and sings the remaining verses. He will not let your foot slip. He is watching over you. He's not dozing off. He's not asleep. The attacks of the enemy can't harm you in the day or night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He watches over your life. He has watched you from your birth and now as you go to your death, he will watch 
youth now and forevermore. And Jesus goes up to Jerusalem and he's singing this song and he has assurance in God, not in himself. He has assurance that he is able to do what God has called him to do. We need to trust God through Jesus Christ, who is able to keep us in our time of need. If you're not a believer in Christ, then you have no watchman of your soul. The world has no answer to your fears. The world has nothing to say to your fears that can really encourage you. And I want to invite you to join us in this place of safety in Christ. Christ, the one who will watch over you if you accept him. And if you are a believer, I want to be like that second person. I want to to say to you, you are right to be a believer in Christ. You are so right to trust God because he governs everything. And he is the one who keeps all the people of God. He is the one who watches you and me. He watches each man, woman and child. And he does so in every circumstance, night and day, going out and coming in now and forevermore. There's nothing better than being a believer in Christ Jesus, the Son of God. Let's pray. Father God, you who made heaven and the earth, thank you. Thank you so much, Lord. For your goodness. Thank you that you watch over us, that you never slumber, that you never sleep. Thank you, Lord, that you promise to watch over us day by day, night by night, going out and coming in. We praise and thank you that in all our individual trials, in, in, all, our, in all that we do, Lord, that you love and care for us. We praise you, Heavenly Father. Help us to be confident in the fact that you you watch over us, that you keep guard of us. We thank you for that truth. We pray, Lord, that in the midst of our fears, when fears arise, Lord, that that truth will give us confidence and joy. And we pray, Lord, that we might be able to encourage one another. Encourage one another in this this simple truth. That you watch over us. That you are our watchman. Amen.